0: You're listening to Freshly Brewed, Episode 2, I'm your host Jeff. What happens to us and our brains when we spend a lot of time by ourselves? Right now, we are all being strongly encouraged to do something we don't normally do – stay home and stay away from others. We are being encouraged, rightfully so, to spend time with ourselves or with our housemates and really avoid any non-essential contact. This is of course being done to create adequate social distance between us in order to limit the spread of COVID-19 and to flatten the curve. It's never been more important to do this. Our loved ones, our neighbors, our healthcare heroes, they all depend on us to do this. But as we adapt to this unbelievably unusual situation, many, including myself, are wondering, what's the overall impact of social isolation? Is this going to be as bad as I'm thinking it's going to be? The truth is, we're not very good at being alone, especially for long periods of time. And this isn't necessarily our fault, it's how we are wired. But is it really that bad? Is there actually a silver lining to it? I'm curious to learn more about what this does to us, especially in a time like now. To find out more, I'm going to be speaking with world-renowned doctor and TV personality Dr. Oz. I'm just kidding. There's absolutely no way I'd be able to get Dr. Oz on the podcast. This episode of Freshly Brewed will actually be a shorter, guestless, and more to the point version of the podcast. I'm calling it Freshly Brewed Espresso Edition. Houston, we are ready for liftoff. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Freshly Brewed. Here's your host, Jeff Fenton. Freshly Brewed, Episode 2, Espresso Edition, and I've decided to look more into what happens when we self-isolate, or for lack of a better phrase, spend some time with ourselves. To give you a sense of how well we fare in social isolation, consider a novel study that was done years ago. In the study, people were left alone for anywhere from 6 to 15 minutes. And they were given nothing, no distractions, no books, no other content, except for a device. And this device could administer to themselves electric shocks. Unbelievably, nearly 70% of the men and 25% of the women chose to shock themselves. In another version of this study, participants were told to sit alone in their home with their thoughts, for 10 to 15 minutes. More than half of the participants confess to cheating by getting up from the chair or distracting themselves with their phones or music. The truth is we thrive when we are busy, when we are surrounded by other people and things, so it's obvious that self or social isolation is gonna have profound impacts on our bodies and our brains. After all, our relationships with being alone have always been complicated. About 85% of adults say it's important to spend time alone, but yet we all also crave social interaction and we experience discomfort when we're alone. So I really want to figure out two things. What's the overall impact of social isolation and what can we do to make the most of it? First, a disclaimer, I am not a doctor, I'm gonna be referencing thought leaders and doctors and studies, but for those who are understandably experiencing real serious levels of distress right now, please seek out or continue to receive help from those who are trained to provide mental health services. So, what's the impact of being self isolated? It's actually not as black and white as one might think. There's some good and there's some not so good. And the idea is that if we can become aware of the not so good and we can try to leverage the good, we might be better off than where we started. Let's start with the not so good. If we consider one extreme, complete isolation, we discover that humans will experience harrowing consequences. As an example, in the fall of 2018, a US poker player, Rich Alotti, decided to conduct an experiment. He felt that he'd be just fine under complete isolation. He even bet $100,000 that he could survive 30 days alone in total darkness he confined himself to a small dark room with nothing but a bed, a fridge, and a bathroom. Technically speaking, he had everything he needed to survive. But after 20 days, he bailed. This is an extreme representation. I mean, today we are experiencing self-isolation, but with some modern luxuries, video chats and content, next day deliveries. And for a lot of us, we're still very grateful to be able to continue our jobs, albeit done remotely. But this example still illustrates the fundamental truth that humans are social creatures we are wired that way even in the earliest of times before instagram or nightclubs or group fitness classes we were social beings that relied on interaction and social exchange every single day to live our lives many studies have been done on individuals being isolated for prolonged periods of time there are market spikes in depression People have problems processing information. We can even experience difficulties with decision making, memory shortage, and recall. And feeling isolated, especially when it triggers feelings of being unloved or unlikable, can actually translate into physical pain. As neuroscientist John Cacioppo explains, the absence of social connection can trigger the same primal alarm bells as hunger, thirst, and physical pain. And there are even scarier effects of feeling alone sometimes, including our immune system being compromised. But rest assured, it's not all that bad. In fact, when you're alone, a whole bunch of changes can happen to your brain that can actually be positive. Now, the benefits of being alone are predicated on a very important fact, and that's the fact that there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. A psychologist defines loneliness as, Perceived social isolation, or the discrepancy between what you want from your social relationships and your perception of those relationships. This is extremely important. Being alone can trigger loneliness, but if we are aware of that fact from the get-go, if we are aware that there is a difference between being and feeling isolated, then we can take proactive steps to better weather ourselves from the storm of negative consequences. And perhaps best of all, we can begin to reap the benefits of being alone. So what are some of those benefits? For starters, and according to researchers, we become more aware and more efficient at detecting and assessing threats in the environment around us. This makes sense. After all, we're normally used to being around others, and they're the ones who can help us make sense of our environments. When we're on our own, our brains can become more vigilant. We can become tougher. This too has been proven in studies, but what I found most interesting is the fact that we can train ourselves to find happiness in different things and in different ways when we are alone. Researchers studied the brains of those who were isolated, and they found far less activity in their temporo-parietal junction, a part of the brain linked to the perception of others. In other words, when we can find happiness in being alone, it's actually coming from things we derive in or around ourselves and it lessens our reliance on finding happiness from external forces. This is not to say that external elements shouldn't make us happy, but it's helping us flex perhaps a different happiness muscle. What's more, Harvard scientists have discovered that when we form memories on our own, they can be stronger and longer-lasting. This is because we know we can't rely on others to remember the information, so our brains have to do a better job at storing and recalling that information. There's also an element of psychological codependency, something in life we all deal with to a certain extent where we just can't be alone. But by developing good internal resources and sharpening our independent problem-solving skills, we can become more resilient and more self-sufficient in the long run. And in general, being alone gives us time to really process our own feelings and thoughts, perform some self-introspection, almost use it as an opportunity to reset or rediscover ourselves, our needs, and our wants. This is not an easy time. In fact, for many, this is an unbelievably trying time, and understandably so. But it is an opportunity, for whatever it's worth, to try and make lemonade, even if we're drinking the lemonade on our own. We can use this as a time to do some interesting things, things we might not be able to do in the busyness of our daily lives. We can wake up and begin to develop new routines. We can perhaps reassess what parts of our external life were unhealthy. We can have relief from social pressures and use it as a chance to reassess who are the people and what are the places that we value most. We can use this as an opportunity for more tranquility and calm, or even as a chance to develop more spiritual or creative pursuits. There is absolutely no telling how this situation is going to evolve. It is changing every single day. But so long as we can remain connected digitally, and so long as we can continue to know that making this sacrifice is going to help our loved ones and our society, we can use this time to harness the benefits of more alone time. And in doing so, we can also be aware of and better mitigate some of those known risks. That expression, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, it's a helpful one to think about right now. We're not choosing to be alone. I think the absence of that choice is also what's hurting a lot of us. But we are self-isolating. I think that I come on and back. Maybe okay. you don't know me cuz you're dead wrong. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger.